The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Oh, Luna, how do you get so high? Welcome to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. Why We Are Here is a portal of heartfelt communication designed to inspire you with expansive words of wisdom, personal insight, and open candor from luminary guests around the world. Now, here's your host, Sharon Rose Washington. Hello, and welcome to Why We Are Here. I'm your visionary host, Sharon Rose Washington. You've now entered into that comfortable atmosphere where luminaries from around the world join us to share their contributions, findings, and opinions. Today, we are going to go deep. So in order to do so, I'd like everyone out there to first take a deep breath and pause in gratitude for life and for my stellar guest today, Stacy L. L. Couch. She's a wise earth woman with a background as a biologist and scientist. In addition... What makes her stand out amongst her scientific-minded peers is that Stacy is a certified shaman who works closely with wild hawks, wolves, many animals of the wild, including endangered species. As a certified shamanic practitioner, Stacy works as a publicist and journalist for Mother Nature. A pioneer at heart, Stacy L. L. Couch as a liaison empowers people with the ability to explore some of life's toughest questions. She assists in revealing how we can all form an authentic connection with our true self, which is spirit in nature, as we connect to all of life's bountiful beauty. Hello, Stacy. Welcome to Why We Are Here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, your journey toward becoming a shaman began, in, in from what I read and, and, and what I've seen in regards to you, began early on as a child and that your mom uh, was a big influence. Could you give us a a background of your beginnings? Yes, I'd be delighted to. I was really fortunate in that I had the chance to grow up in a home where spirituality was present but not rigid, uh, like some people may know from organized religion. My mom was a, group, was a part of a group of wise women. They did light work and meditation and studied crystals and power animals. And I had the opportunity to study alongside them and get to be a part of their group. Not always, but the few occasions that I did was a great pleasure for me. And so I actually also had access to her library. She's a big reader, and so am I. And I had the chance to read Clarissa Pinkola Estes, uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves, when I was probably, I don't know, 11 or 12. And the medicine cards that talk about power animals my mom and I worked with those regularly. We would pull different cards and, and read and talk about the animals. So it was very much a part of my life from very early on. That's beautiful. And so what's the earliest? Because you said 11 or 12, but what's, 
one of the earliest uh, recollections that you have of connecting and aligning with nature. And that's beautiful about your mom. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm lucky to have her in my life. Connecting with nature, I have so many memories from very, very early on. I grew up in suburbia, which was tough for me because I wanted to see wild animals and be out in the woods. And I was living where everyone cut their lawns and the parks were lucky to have a few trees in them and mostly just a monoculture of grass, right? And so I studied as much as I could. I found books at the library full of pictures of dolphins and whales, and I studied uh, animal encyclopedias. And I remember going to my family, we would go on trips in camping trips to national parks and such when I was a kid. And I remember going to Yellowstone National Park for the first time and having my dad pull the car over so that I could I, you know, oh, I think that's a goldenrod, a type of wildflower that I'd studied in my book. So I could jump out of the car and go and look at that, that and compare it to the picture in my book. And I had a bird book. I remember uh, visits to see family in Washington when I was young and, and marking the books, the birds that I saw for my book, the cardinals and blue jays, the ones that I didn't see in Colorado where I grew up. That's wonderful. You're, when I'm listening to you, the yearning, I can see you as the child, and the yearning coming out of the contrast is just remarkable. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, out of the contrast of the very civilized world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, some people would call it civilized. Yeah. Right? Very structured, I'd say. Kind <laughs> very of structured. structured, yeah, rigid, yeah. It was, it definitely was painful for me at times as a child. I just, I would dream about animals all the time. And, the, and one of the other ways I coped with it was I had a whole wall with shelves full of stuffed animals. And so in my daydreams, they also kept me company. And I was lucky. I had a few pets as a child. I had a Rottweiler, a huge Rottweiler, who was like my brother growing up. And so, and then I had some birds and rabbits and a turtle for a time. And so they were really got a huge amount of attention from me because they were my window into the into the natural world. Yeah, and it sounds like they were your friends and family. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now I mentioned you're a certified shaman. Uh, you know, I also in the opening, you know, said that you're a biologist and scientist, but you're a certified shaman. And I feel much of our audience is enlightened, but I'd want you to talk more in depth. What is a shaman? A shaman is a healer. A lot of people know them pretty simply as a type of spiritual healer. And they shamans work with energy, so they work with light healing, or uh, and we work with spirits of nature also. But the shaman, traditionally, they've been around. Uh, shamanic um, practitioners is what we now call them, but shamans have been around for tens of thousands of years. You can actually find... Uh, shamanic culture, shamanic tendencies at the root of every culture around the world. Uh, anthropologists have done research on this. Uh, so we all have a shaman at the root of our lineage somewhere along the way, which I think is a beautiful thing. And what we do, what the shamanic practitioner does is works on behalf of their community, on behalf of clients that come to them looking for healing, and also on behalf of nature. So really working with the whole web of life and and mitigating and easing and helping those connections between all things. And I feel that as you become, you know, more at one and steeped in your oneness with nature and all, 
that it really doesn't have an end, uh, the knowledge, the wisdom, all of that. Wouldn't you, would you agree with me on that? That's true, yeah. Yeah, the life of a shaman is something that's con- it's a continuum. Yes. Yeah, and the practice gets deeper and deeper. So it's, the shaman definitely, a big part of a shamanic practice is to know thyself and to work really intimately. So I work really intimately with my own spirit guides. I work with a lot, a lot of power animals. I have a whole host that are my helpers. And so I'm always tracking what's going on in my inner landscape, and that goes deeper and deeper and deeper into the mystical realms, which I adore, but also my understanding of the natural world and how that's all interrelated. Also, that understanding deepens and broadens, so it's a, it's a lifelong practice. Now, for me, it's it's important, you know, daily in my life that I walk with the ancestors and also the angels as I'm in nature, because I have to be in nature every day, so I'm out in my yard. Do you connect with the ancestors as well? I actually am really drawn to working with the animals almost entirely. I occasionally have uh, some people from that I have know that have crossed over that I work with, and I have a few uh, spirit guides that appear to me in human form or and as angels. And I've done some work uh, traveling down my genetic line and in communing with my own ancestors. But it's just amazing to me how each individual person, what their expression and their relationship with the divine is. Isn't it beautiful? Mm-hmm. It really is. Now, many people have praised your book. Uh, and I say it's a must-read to uh, my audience out there, our audience out there, Gracious Wild. And that includes uh, someone by the name of John Turk. He's the author of Raven's Gift. Mm-hmm. He said something quite beautiful about your book that I wanted to share with our audience. May I? Okay. He says, Stacy Couch takes us on an unforgettable and seamless journey from the dream world to the real world, from the scientific world to the hawk world. And along the way, we become enthralled by the magic of synchronicity and the joy of spirit mirrors. In the madness of this modern world that we live in, he says, I found Gracious Wild to be a gentle oasis of joyous and uplifting sanity. How lovely. Is he a friend, or did you meet him through? Uh, I simply re- read his book, and as I was getting ready to publish the manuscript, I approached him. I, I think I just sent him an email. I found his email address online somewhere and sent him an email and invited him to read and endorse the book. And, and that is what he sent me back in return. What a gift. That is a gift. It's beautiful. Um, your book is timely. I feel that it's timely, and, and many, many people out there um, out of alignment, out of balance, um, could could definitely benefit from the book. Who would you say uh, specifically the book is for? This is a lovely question. Really, anyone who's asking the question of what more is there? And I think that's the really, really big picture, but also nature lovers. So people who are in love with animals who have either experiences with their pets or experiences on vacations at national parks where they see a certain animal that brings them something, or even a hawk that flies in front of their car when they're driving down the road. And then that question comes in is, oh, what does that mean? There's this inner knowing that speaks to us and says that this, that these animals are talking to us, that they're bringing us messages, they're bringing us guidance. 
And the, for folks who have that experience or have had that experience and, and don't know how to hold on to it or don't know what to do with it, how to carry it into their day and move it into the world, I think the book is a great way to show how I started on that path and how I was in exactly that place when it all began. Yeah, the, I think the metamorphosis of, of you, you know, coming through and to your fruition and continuing on, I think that's that's really beautiful for the reader. And they, I think some people would be able to relate to it, too, in different parts of their lives. Yeah, I was actually, I have to say, I was really surprised a couple of weeks ago I got an email from my brother-in-law, and he is not a particularly religious or spiritual person. He's a lovely man, and we hadn't really even ever talked about my book, and I never expected that he would read it. And he sent me this lovely long email telling me that it, you know, he read it, some of the parts about shamanism or some of the parts about working with the hawks you know, he was unfamiliar with, so that was new for him. But the part that was familiar for him was that questioning of what what do I do? Do I follow my heart or do I stay with what's safe in the conventional world? Do I go out and, and, and relate with people to make a change or do I close off and close in because the world is a harsh place? And it was amazing to me that, that he was able to resonate with it in that way. And that's what I'm saying when I'm saying alignment and, and balance. People are able to ask the question and then begin to work toward that alignment, which, which in my mind, alignment leads to love, you know, just mm-hmm. love of self and love of everything. So what would you say uh, that what you want for people to receive who read your book? Yeah, first of all, that that the animals are there and that they are talking to us. I got a really strong call that I talk about in the book to be the mouthpiece for the animals, to really help people start to understand the opportunity that, that resides there with these beautiful creatures to be our guides. And then second of all, yeah, to follow your heart, to have the opportunity and the courage to follow those inner promptings, to learn how to listen to intuition, and to trust things that aren't of the real concrete world. I, that's, you know, we talk about, when we're talking about my book and the big picture of me moving from being a scientist to being a shamanic practitioner, and really what a lot of that was about was learning how to trust things that I couldn't bring in with my five senses, and, because those those other realms, the visions that we have, the spontaneous visions, the dreams that we have, those promptings, those inner promptings we receive, all of those things are just as valid, if not more, than what we can pick up with the five senses. You mentioned the scientific world. Is there anything you can think of that once you began your transitioning and you know going deeper in as a shaman that you could say maybe they got it wrong, you know, maybe about the hawks or something in nature of animals. In terms of science itself? Yes. Yeah, I think that the, that idea that we need to find proof for everything. The part I love about science is that we're, we're looking for patterns as scientists, and I love finding patterns and things and synchronicities and things that are connected and trying to find the ways those all loop together. But the piece that's the hard piece is this ultimately looking for the right answer. And, and also the, the problem-solving aspect of it. We can spend a lot of time, especially in our spiritual practice, problem-solving and with using the rational mind for that. So, you know, when you start out with a scientific experiment, the first thing you have is a hypothesis, is a question that you're looking to find the answer to. And it can become a closing off. 
uh, looking for something that is that is has hard evidence or that gives you the the finite answer is actually closing off. And I think that's where uh, science and becoming too scientifically minded be, can be a disservice. That's that's true. Now you have a a very gentle. I'm listening to you speak. The first time I spoke with you on the phone, it's almost a singing voice. It's a very gentle soft voice and you communicate with the animals how do they react i want to hear a little bit how they react to you and i know it's not just speaking i know it's telepathic as well but how do they react to your voice that's a great question you know i really i read uh jack london's call of the wild and never cry wolf and all of those books when i was a kid about uh someone taking in a wild animal and taming him and so I had this great fantasy in my mind that I was going to have that. I wanted that opportunity in my life to have a wild animal that for one reason or another I had to tame. And I wanted to believe that I would be able to just have this magical gift for when I, when I came into contact with them that they would immediately soften and come into my field and, and we would have this bond that came together. And I've had, I have had glimmers of that where I've had interactions, and I talk about that early on in my book where I had a hawk that showed up every morning. When I was going on my walk, she would fly just above my left shoulder as I was walking down the trail. And that was really the closest I've had that kind of experience. And then I've had the other as well where uh, the first hawk that I worked with in the raptor education program, she was a captive hawk and very nervous and wild still, even though she'd been in captivity for a number of years. And I was really hoping that my presence and my voice and, and, my, and my energy would help give her some consistency and some solid ground to stand on and help her be able to calm down. And what ended up happening is I didn't have the effect that I wanted to on her. She would get anxious, I would get more anxious, and we started to kind of bounce fear around. And that's really where I started delving into my work deeper and deeper because um, I wanted to be able to just offer this grounded, calm presence to her initially. And, and since then, that's been to everyone I'm around. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I do have some degree of telepathic communication with the animals, but, a, but the majority of it is body language and energy and then also working with metaphor. What was the hawk's name? Her name was Talia. She was Talia. a northern harrier hawk. Do you have a favorite animal? Uh, what's your uh, totem spirit animal? Do you have one in particular or several? <laughs> I can never pick one. <laughs> I had recently, I was giving a, a six-part series seminar, and each part had a different animal. <clears throat> and I sat down to select which animal it would be, and I, I couldn't pick <laughs> So what I ended up doing was just drawing them out of a hat. I have a great affinity for horses. I have two, and obviously for hawks, and I have two cats that I adore, and a dog too, and and I love birds. You know, I've had a lot of people comment at different times that I remind them of a bird for one reason or another. So I, the whole, and that, you know, encompasses thousands of different species. So, and I, when I, like I said earlier, when I'm doing my shamanic work or even in my daily life, I have any, I really open up to any number of animals that would like to come, come through and, and help and offer guidance and I really, it's the whole animal kingdom and there's probably the only animal that I, uh, really, I, snakes, um, 
and spiders. A lot of people are scared of them, and I've even developed a relationship with them as well. So, yeah, I I I love animals, and I feel like every animal in my life that I've had or been around that you can receive something from all of them, and not just you know if it's a bird or if it's a dog or or even a snake. It's more their energy because I feel like each and every one of them has their own energy. Would you agree? Oh, most definitely. And their gifts. And so it's really, when we look at power animals, sometimes we can look at them as very much a being outside of ourselves that's offering guidance. And other times we can look at them as an archetype. So as a metaphor for our own talents or skills. So I've had a mountain lion come into my life at a particular time when I was really working on learning how to follow my soul's own authority or leadership. And if you do some research on the symbolism of mountain lion, you'll find leadership in there. Well, I wasn't looking to be a leader anywhere at that time in my life, but what I realized is I was learning how to lead myself into uh, new ways of being. And that's what it always brings us back to, right? Ourselves? Yep. And Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a break for commercial, but we'll be right back with author of Gracious Wild, A Shamanic Journey with Hawks, Stacy L. L. Couch. If you'd like to reach us at Voice America's Why We're Here on the Empowerment Channel to let us know what's on your heart and mind, then kindly email us at Sharon at info. That's Sharon at info. Let's take a break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Wouldn't you love to experience formidable, personal, transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality, and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity, heightened intuition, and radiant fulfillment. To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whywearehere.info for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show. And we are back with our remarkable guest, Stacy L. L. Couch, intimate friend and relative to all of nature. Stacy. Yes. What motivates you? Hmm. 
love. <laughs> I love to give a simple answer like that, but really love and always being loving. That's beautiful. Now, why the move to alternative healing? That one is a trickier question, not not so easy to answer in just one word. It was very much because I felt like there was something missing in my life. So I was on the path. I was looking at being a successful scientist. I was working with some of the top ecologists, uh, both um, water. They worked in water, studying lakes and fisheries, and also studying seabirds in the country. And it was just phenomenal. I was intellectually so inspired by the people I was around and the research I was doing. I was out in nature for my job, which is absolutely what I wanted to do. I was working with animals, often hands-on, doing research. And in the end, I I ended up on this island living by myself. And that was finally when the silence settled in that I got to hear the voice, the chatter in my head and realize that was really the only company within myself that I had. I felt like something was missing. And that's why I initially started, I, well, besides that, besides the something is missing piece, I also really started having these more and more of these experiences. It was almost like speeding up uh, of having dreams where people who had crossed over were coming and into my dreams and talking with me. And and then during the day, I was having owls. You know, owls are usually out at night, but during the day, I was having owls come and fly straight at my face or hawks accompany me on my walks during the day. And so those really magical experiences were the uplifting experiences amongst the drudgery of listening to my mind chatter go on and on. And that was what was drawing me in was the magic of that and also the love that I felt from both those who had crossed over who were coming to visit me and then the animals that were providing me companionship, the wild animals. They didn't have to to give me any mind at all, but they still still took me into their world and and gave me company. And so that's when I started asking, like, well, what do all these dreams mean and what do all these uh, coincidences, right, which are actually synchronicities, Mm -hmm. what do they all mean? And my mom, uh, she's always one step ahead of me on these kind of things. She had gone and seen a shamanic practitioner, and she told me about the experience, and I said, okay, I'm going. (laughs) And so I went, and the first shamanic journey that I had done for me, I knew that that was the work that I was going to be doing. And I really, I knew about what a shaman was from an early age, uh, from being around all the different literature that my mom had and what the group was, what her group was working with. Um, and also I read, interestingly enough, uh, Jean Ayul's uh, Clan of the Cave Bear series. Mm-hmm. And I just loved Ayla. I thought she was the most fascinating human being I'd ever met. And that I wanted to be her when I grew up, but I knew when I read those books, I was old enough to know, at least I thought I was old enough to know, that that wasn't a, a vocation in this time and space anymore. So when I found the shamanic practitioner and learned that people were doing this and doing it for a living, yes. <laughs> a whole new world opened up for me. It was really amazing. Now, what out of everything, if you can think of one thing, maybe a little difficult, but what is your most rewarding practice or contribution that's close to your heart so far? Mm. I would say the opportunity to see, uh, the opportunity to walk on the path with people as they start to 
open up to more and to more in terms of their spirituality, to more love, to more peace, to more grace. It is really a profound experience to be able to accompany people on their path and, and be able to offer them guidance along the way. And wouldn't you say each time that you accompany someone that you, you gain as well? Yes? Yeah. Yeah, there's so many layers upon layers of what's going on for them. And then I also have a window into it that I that's just being born in me, in me at the time I'm working with them that I can't even explain yet, but that comes to fruition later on. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty profound work. Now, I had a guest on a previous show. Uh, his name is Dr. Wayne Chandler. He's the author of a book entitled Ancient Future. And I asked him a question, and I kind of said, gee, I want to ask Stacy this question and, uh, and see her response. So okay. I asked him, okay, it's a two-part question. So I asked him if he could go back in time, what would he tell those he would encounter? That reminds me of Chief Seattle. And uh, I'm not even going to try to quote what he wrote about, but he wrote about what's happening in terms of the devastation he wrote, he talked about, and then it was put into word, into written word. But he talked about the the devastation to the earth that was coming, okay. and and the scope of that he saw ahead of time, and and that's always profound to go back to that work. And so many people quote him. I think that would be the my message would be to to not let go, to not allow anything to become to come between us and the natural world. It's all an illusion. We are connected to nature all of the time. It's just like God is always with us, even in the silence. So is the natural world. We're breathing oxygen that the trees produce. We're drinking water that comes from the clouds and the rivers. There's no way that we could not be connected to nature. But the, there's this illusion that's, become, that's come between us and nature that makes us think that we can step inside our houses and be apart from it. And I would say that to not let anything come between us and nature and to not allow that illusion to take over. Yeah, I, I actually consider myself nature. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm, a nat- I'm a natural woman, I'm nature. And, and it sounds as if you would be saying you'd be in agreement with some of the people because in in our past, a lot of the ancestors talked about uh, what would be coming in the future. So it sounds like you'd be in accord with them in the past. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if we look at it, we're losing somewhere between 150 and 200 species of animals a day. And that's just unbelievable. They're going extinct. Yeah. I, I, I was studying that, too, from an early, early age. I was... I learned about climate change when it was called, um, you know, greenhouse, the greenhouse effect and, yeah, and global greenhouse. warming. Yeah, and I was studying about the loss of the tropical rainforest and and endangered endangered species. I was very passionate about helping to save the planet in how whichever way I could. And I really thought that by going to be a scientist and doing scientific research and being able to take that to policymakers and say, look. Here's the effect your industry or, or or industry in general or our society is having on these animals and what can we do to help uh, these ecosystems and these animals do better. And what I ended up finding is that we, even though we were producing great scientific research, it still was not having the effect on policy that, that was 
fast enough or drastic enough to make a change for the animals. And that is when I started to think about what makes people care? What makes people care about animals? How do people really come into loving nature and, and seeing it as a necessity rather than a novelty? And that was when I, the, the, the whole shamanic way started to come in as, oh, if people see the natural world and understand the natural world and animals as part of their deep spiritual practice, there's no more profound relationship or connection than that. I agree. Yeah. The second part of the question is, what if you could jump into the future? Mm-hmm. We, know, we know that the present is, is what we have, but mm-hmm. what if you could jump into the future? What would you say or share uh, then in the future with others? The amazing courage of so many people on the planet today. There is a lot of, you know, we can get really focused in on how ugly things are or that people are in denial or that people get caught up in ugly things like war or um, debate of politics. And there are so many people that have so much courage and so much love and that are they're really dedicating their lives to making the world a better place. And I, I really want to believe in the triumph of those people. And I think that we're all together creating a change in consciousness. Yes. And so what do you see for our future? Do you, do you pontificate on that at all? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. And I pontificate on that when I don't have any children. And I'm coming to the age where pretty soon it's not going to be an option anymore. And I've been married for... Uh, 13 years, almost 13 years now. And when I, that's where that question comes in for me, is what do I believe is our future? And I, I believe population, overpopulation is part of that. We're already there now. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, I have a couple different reasons why too and why not to have children. Uh, but it, it helps me, you know, it causes me to look at what the, why my legacy is and what's going to go on to the future. And it's, it's, I really think we're, I, I get the sense we're on a razor's edge right now, and I think a lot of people feel that way, that it really could fall one way or the other. And so as many of us that can gather together and help sway the tide in the direction of working to conserve the resources we have on the planet and come into beautiful, loving relationship with our, with our mother, Mother Earth. Yeah, I really think that we have the opportunity to create great change right now, which is a really great point in history to be alive in. I agree. Moment to moment, we, we have that opportunity. You mentioned you're married. Is he like-minded? He loves animals, too. We met doing research. Uh, we were on the seabird research project, and he knew how to, how to uh, get into conversation with me. He started talking to me. I was doing an independent study on a colony of Brant's cormorants. They're a type of seabird. They're black with these beautiful, bright blue throats. And so he would call me to talk to me about them. That's how he had his in with me to first become friends before we became a couple. And we moved around for years doing research. Uh, I was his boss for a time. He was my boss for a time. Sometimes we were on one income and the other person was volunteering. So we were both really dedicated to being out in nature and working to help the animals. And things have changed over 
the years we wanted to live in a home together and and settle down. And I wanted to really care for one piece of land. Uh, that was important to me to live on one piece of land and make a relationship with it. And so we've made it to that point now. We live on a ranch in the mountains, and he's a school teacher now. So he, that's where he's making a difference in the world with the kids, and and I'm doing this work. That's in uh, Colorado, and on what thirty is it? 38 acres? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 38 acres. It's a nice little plot of land. Uh, someday I think maybe I'll go and count how many trees are here. There's a lot. <laughs> What's a day like uh, on the property in the life of Stacy L.L. Couch? <laughs> it is. It varies drastically day to day. It depends a lot on the weather, and that's the other reason why I really wanted to live on a piece of land, because I want to see in a really on a really fine scale what how the seasons change and what happens so in the winter we have a lot more work to do than we do in the summer like i mentioned before we've got these two horses that we take care of ourselves so uh, i muck horse poop every day and i am filling their hay net with hay every day and looking after them, chopping ice in the middle of the winter out of their water tanks and putting blankets on and off in the winter. And then we also have to plow and chop wood. We uh, heat our house with fire. And it's funny, when I first was moving here the and I was leaving, I was living over in the Denver Boulder area and the one of the people I was working with said, well, are you going to have running water and electricity? <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, we still have all the modern conveniences. It's so interesting because I'm absolutely plugged in. I have an iPhone, an iPad, computer. I'm in so- on social media. I'm writing. I'm talking with people a lot on the phone and through email and, and uh, social media. And so I have this place where I'm absolutely in the 21st century, and then I'm back in you know, the, how many centuries ago out there just with my muckrake and, 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 you know, cleaning up my horse's corral and uh, grooming their, the fur out of their coats and getting my clothes full of white hair and <laughs> so there it's, and chopping wood by hand with an ax. So there, I love that because it keeps me humble and it keeps me grounded to be, you know, to have to watch my footing when I'm out walking on the ice. We have all, and or have to deal with loads of mud because we don't have any cement anywhere. Uh, we have a little cement porch is all the rest of our property, the driveways, all gravel and everything. So I, I wouldn't be able to do this work if I didn't live here. And I, I have gotten really clear about that. And that's why I'm here. It's, it's what helps me uh, stay centered and grounded. I agree. And I, I tell my clients and, and people that I communicate with that it's so, it's so important to cultivate exactly where you are. So it doesn't matter if you have just a balcony and you can have plants and, and a few pets or something, or if you have an acre or 38 acres, it's, it's really connecting to the earth and to everything around. So that's beautiful, um, your property. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah, I feel really, really lucky to have it. And I also understand that a lot of people have to live in suburbia or the city, and their their nature breaks are on their vacations. And I so honor that, too. I think that's wonderful that people are willing to, in their free time, you know, with the little bit of free time they have, they're willing to give that to the natural world. And because they understand the value of being out on a hiking trail or out on their bikes or out at the lake. I I like working with children a lot, sometimes more than adults, because they're more malleable and they're so connected 
to everything that you're doing. Um, do you work with children and their connection to nature and animals? I have, I'm, I think I have, yeah, eight. I lose count sometimes. I have eight nieces and nephews, and mm-hmm. they live, uh, five of them live over in Houston, so they're in the city, and, and three of them live in Seattle, but they get out in Seattle. They're kind of on the edge, so they get to get out into nature pretty regularly. But they come and visit uh, between all of them at least once a year, and so I get to spend sometimes a week with them, and we go and we do things with the horses. We do obstacle courses with the horses, and they help groom, and they get to ride them. And and then we go out and pick wildflowers, and they help. We have some chickens, too, so they get to go and collect eggs. And it's just amazing to see the excitement on their faces when they get to go and do these things outside. That's wonderful. You're giving them something you yearned for, and now you have Everything you yearn for. Isn't that wonderful? It is. I feel li- really fortunate. Yeah, you're living your dream. Uh, in yeah. Your, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I interject something about sure. that? I think sure. it's really interesting in this day and age. I bet a number of your listeners have either seen the movie The Secret or learned about this idea of the law of attraction, which is a real thing. And I worked pretty, pretty intensely with a lot of the principles of the law of attraction and working on manifesting my dream. And then I got here three, well, four years ago now, I got here and I went, "Uh uh-oh, now I'm living the dream. Now what? (laughs) So we would have times when the well would go out and then we wouldn't have running water. And my husband and I would look at each other and we'd be so frustrated and exhausted from carrying buckets of water around or whatever we had to do to make up for what wasn't working. And we'd look at each other and just chuckle and be like, yep, we're living the dream. And so it's it's funny. We have this idea that if we get to the point where we manifest everything we'd wanted, that life will be perfect. And, and then there'll be the happily ever after, right? But then when you get to the happily ever after, what then? And I really did have to sit with that for a year or two and say, okay, what now? And that's when I came to, okay, now's when, the, now's when I have to do the courageous work that I was putting off. And, and publishing this book was one of those things. I was really scared to put my story out there in the world. It, was, it, was a pretty, it took a lot of courage for me to come together and do well, we appreciate that you did. You mentioned The Secret. I am familiar with it. Dr. Michael Beckwith, a part of The Secret, for the two books that I've written, he endorsed the books and did a forward. So very familiar and familiar with it in my life as well. So um, what I started doing and understanding was I see life as an adventure. So when I think of an adventure, it's not just all the beautiful things that just come together because it is like you say, synchronicity, but it can get scary. It can get all kinds of things. And that's what a real adventure is. So I always try to say, well, I'm on an adventure, you know, every day, no matter what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, And then when we get to the spot where what we wanted comes to fruition, then we have to learn the art of present, becoming in the present in the moment with it. And that's, that's different, I think, than the law of attraction. The law of attraction is often uh, working with imaging and and your energy and your thoughts and your beliefs, all layers and layers and layers of that. But when you get to, okay, this is what I wanted, here I am, how do I really come into contact with this and really fall, fall into gratitude with it? And that's an entirely different practice, too, I think. Yeah, and I think that what you just said is so important for everyone out there because gratitude, 
that state of gratitude is something that you have to have because I've known so many people that they ask for something, they get it, and it's on to the next thing, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yep. So in your book, Gracious Wild, you have a chapter called Embracing the Unknown. I loved that chapter. Why is it so difficult for most people to embrace the unknown, and what advice can you give them? Well, I, one of the things, I study Carolyn Mace's work a lot, and one of the things I learned from her book, Entering the Castle, is uh, she talks a lot about divine chaos and that we have this great fear of divine chaos. And I really think that embracing the unknown, the unknown to us is is the chaos, is that divine chaos is, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to expect. And she introduced me to the idea through her writing about the fact that divine chaos doesn't always have to be some terrible distraction or uh, destruction or accident or illness that comes. Divine chaos can also be a great gift, can bring us a great gift. And I think that's where, when we're in the darkness, when we're looking into the mystery or the unknown, we have to admit that we don't know. And we have to admit that ultimately the control we thought we have, we really don't. And that can be frightening because it can take the ground out from underneath you. Uh, But it's coming into that face of knowing that the world is just full of grace and miracles and magic and wonder. And that that really helps turn that around. And that's what embracing the unknown is, is really about. That's wonderful advice. We have to take another break for commercial. And we'll be right back with our guest and her shamanic wisdom, Stacey L.L. Couch. In the meantime, you'll find me on Twitter at Sharon Isis Rose. Also, email us at Sharon at whyweareherefo If you have any questions, and go to IsisRoseCreations.com on the contact page to share with us your take on why we are here. Make sure you sign up to win a few gifts and prizes for being such a great listener. I'm happy to announce also that one of the gifts you'll receive will be Stacy's book autographed uh, by Stacy Gracious Wild. So everyone stay tuned for the following announcement. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Wouldn't you love to experience formidable, personal, transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality, and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity, heightened intuition, and radiant fulfillment. To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whyweareherefo for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live. It's your world. Motivate. 
Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show. Hello, welcome back once again. I'm your host, Sharon Rose Washington, and our lovely guest, Stacey L. L. Couch, shaman and author of Gracious Wild, A Shamanic Journey with the Hawks, is still with us. Stacy, welcome back. Yes. We have a few questions uh, that were sent in to Sharon at whywearehere.info. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. The first question is from Jackie J. from Toronto. Jackie wants to know, what is our future if so many animals are becoming extinct? And she says, doesn't this threaten our survival as well? It does. That was a lot of what I studied while I was doing wildlife research, studying how ecosystems shift and change when just one species is taken out of the mix or even reduced in number. And there, it's amazing the resilience in nature. That's one thing that is just very profound to me, the resilience and how animals will adapt pretty quickly to, and plants as well, to changes in their environment. So I think that's where I have hope, is that I think the resilience and the survival instincts and the gifts of these animals and the plants and nature is to adapt and change. We've seen that over millennia, and, and when we go back and look at the fossil records of all the different changes. But in terms of us, I think we are endangered spiritually. I think because we are not staying connected with the natural world and not tending our relationship with it, that we are encountering a deficit of spirit or of soul. Okay, let's move on to the next question. We've got a few here. So the next question is from Natalia R., and she's from New Orleans. And Natalia wants to know how you feel about animals of the wild as pets, such as snakes, tigers, lions, and so on. I think that keeping an animal that has wild instincts and a wild nature in captivity is a pretty precarious situation. I definitely value zoos and wildlife uh, sanctuaries because people get a chance to encounter these animals that they wouldn't otherwise encounter, and that helps them build the relationship and also value nature. At the same time, I think it really, the temperament of the animal has to really be kept in mind. Some animals, some individuals really have a knack for living in captivity and being around humans and are absolutely comfortable and it's no trouble for them. Others, it's incredibly torturous. So I think it's really worth looking at the individual level. And I think people that keep wild animals as pets, um, like wolf hybrids or full wolves as pets in their houses or tigers or monkeys, I think that's just really, they're too close to the wild to be in a domestic situation. I don't really think, feel like it's fair to the animals. Okay. And we have a question from Luke P. Luke is from San Francisco, and he says that he smokes marijuana and can communicate with wildlife and nature on a whole different level while he's under the influence. What are your thoughts on this? Do you suggest a natural high without any drug influence that's a natural high? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I have to tell you that I have an incredibly sensitive constitution. I am not made for psychedelic or really any even like over-the-counter things can really have an effect on me. I, if I eat corn, I will have crazy dreams that night. So I have not found that psychedelic drugs or marijuana do any good for me. They actually pr- provide a hindrance because I, I lose my ground and I lose my sense of direction. When I'm doing shamanic work, I use rhythmic drumming. And that rhythmic drumming brings my brain into the, between the alpha and theta frequencies, which is the same frequency that the earth resonates at. So basically I'm bringing my mind, the frequency of my mind into resonance with the earth. And that's how I go into a trance. It's that simple. And I've taught uh, uh, dozens of other people how to do it as well. And it's, it's amazing that just by listening to rhythmic drumming that we're able to go into this trance-like state and have these supernatural experiences. So I do not think that psychedelic drugs are necessary, not that I um, speak badly of them, but I definitely don't think they're necessary. And Stacy, what's your take on why we are here? We are here to, I love that word Leva, the divine play. We're here for divine play. Really, I think this is an honored situation, position that we're in. Beautiful. Now, where can any of our audience locate you for lectures or workshops or private healing work? Uh, do you have a website? I think, yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. And phone number, uh, share with us. Yeah, my website is wildgratitude.com, and I do shamanic healing work long distance by phone. The majority of my clients are all around the country, so that works good for me since I'm in a remote location. And my phone number is 970-903-7180. And once again, my website's wildgratitude.com, and I have a lot of spirit animal interpretations on there. So if you want to learn more about what wolf means or swan means, you can hop on my website and learn that. Okay, and I have one last question I ask all my guests. I'm in love with the Matrix movies, and I have one main question that I ask. Do you take the red pill or the blue pill? (laughs) First of all, I don't remember which the red pill (laughs) was or the blue pill was. (laughs) But I remember, yeah, either you have the chance to wake up, right, or you have the chance yes. to stay in denial. Yes. And I took the, whichever color pill it was, the chance to wake up, uh, I took that as early as I can remember thinking. I always wanted to be aware of what was going on inside me and in the world and in the unseen realms. It was so very, and still is, very important to me. Well, you came in with the pill. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stacy. thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. And now for my final thought. My celebrated guest today, shamanic author Stacey L.L. Couch, is a woman of nature who walks the walk. She reminds me of one of my favorite people who walked the walk on this earth, George Washington Carver. She is a significant presence on the planet as she carries within her energetic vibration the contents of her book, Gracious Wild. She is a shaman, a bridge between worlds, a warrior, and nature's secret whisperer. Her work is much needed and will help the so-called modern man and woman of technology and misinformation to find their way back to the garden. To have Stacy L.L. Couch as a guest on Why We Are Here is a timely experience reminder, lesson, and warning. Thank you, Shaman Stacy, 
L.L. Couch. We all have to take a moment to pause in wonder and to pontificate on why we are here. No life is meaningless. No breath is wasted. We are all a beautiful, intricate part of creation, making life happen. Remember, the kingdom, queendom lies within. Always stay rooted in Mother Earth and lifted by Father Sky as you continue to walk side by side with the ancestors and angels. Until next time, please keep me in your heart, and I promise to always keep you in mine. Have an enchanting evening. I'm your host, empowerment coach, healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington. We hope you've enjoyed listening to visionary author Sharon Rose Washington and her insightful luminary guest. Please join us for another powerfully transformative show next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Why We Are Here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For questions, information, and appointments, Sharon can be reached at Sharon at whywearehere.info. Or for direct empowerment coaching and healing, call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.